10 nice girl habits all women must change. Hey, I'm Angie Boyd with Mag Enticing Man. And after being a dating coach for over 10 years, here is what I have seen. I'm so excited to come back to you. Number 10 is the chameleon effect. And that is really sort of like, you know, wherever I am, that's what I become, right? So if I go to a cowboy party, I dress like a cowboy. You know what I mean? If I date, if I date a man who is into sports, out of the sudden I become a sports fan. You know what I mean? Even though I've never played golf, out of the sudden I take golf lessons and so on and so forth, right? So you're becoming sort of this chameleon, right? You're just kind of sort of adjusting. And I think a good example for that is actually, um, Julia Roberts. Uh, when she plays the runaway bride, right? And, you know, in the end, if you remember that scene, well, what happens in runaway bride, in case you haven't watched it, is, you know, she always runs away, like right at the altar, right? Because she actually realizes that, like, who the guys are marrying is not who she really is, right? She just turned herself into a pretzel, into a chameleon to please everyone. And I love that one scene where she makes all the eggs because she tells every guy she likes the eggs different, right? It's like, oh, I love eggs or benefits. Okay, then that's what I love too. Or, you know, I love the hard-boiled egg. Oh, then that's what I love too. Or like sunny side, that's what I love too and so on. So anyway, so at the end, she makes all the different versions of the eggs and actually finds out what does she really like, right? And so that's what you get to do if you're like really wanting to change that sort of chameleon effect and breaking through the pattern of like constantly losing yourself in the relationship. Number nine is being unavailable to your own emotions. Now, what I see so many times of women who are oftentimes more in sort of the nice girl category, meaning they are being very liked, but they're not being very respected, right? Like the men are not just really feeling like you deserve consistent communication. You deserve for me to call you several days ahead of time to, uh, of course, confirm the date, right? And so on, you know what I mean? To treat you properly, to obviously pay for the meal and so on. And part of it is because they are unavailable to their own emotions. Why is that? Well, because the nice girl is so focused on everybody else's emotions, right? So she doesn't even get to figure out how does she feel? You know, oftentimes I actually find in my own practice that the women who have the nice girl syndrome, they oftentimes are almost numb and they almost like need to think about how they feel, Right. And that is because you're unavailable to your own emotions. And then, of course, that leads to, unfortunately, attracting men into your own life who are, of course, also emotionally unavailable. Right. So what that also includes is actually like not really feeling the impact of your emotions. So it could be, for example, let's say you're on a date and let's say you share something sad. You know what I mean? Like maybe your dog died or something happened. And instead of you actually letting that sadness land and for the man to also feel the sadness, what you do is you actually laugh it over, right? You become unavailable to your own emotions. You're just kind of like, ah, it's not that big of a deal, right? You're not allowing people to feel the impact of what that emotion actually had on you. Now, another example of that is a lot of women that come to me have experienced trauma, unspeakable. And when they talk about that, it sounds like they're reading a laundry list, you know, and they're saying, you know, I just had a crazy childhood, you know, I just had, you know what I mean? I had just had this trauma and 
like I can tell you're not really available to the impact of what that had on you emotionally, right? You have made yourself like you put up like a shell on a wall in order for you to not having to feel that level of pain, which of course is a survival mechanism, right? But now it's time to change that. Number eight, it's one of my favorites, right? It's the bitch code. And that is really avoiding the word bitch. So what a lot of nice girls do, and I talk about that in my um, king and queen matrix, right? Is this concept of between the doormat and the bitch is what we say is the queen, right? Now, in order to get to the queen, if you are sort of a nice girl side, so nice girl and, and, and bitch, right? Uh, polar opposites, obviously. You have to be able to also exhibit qualities of what other people would call the bitch. And so what oftentimes happens in the process of me actually starting to teach those very powerful women how to also step into their bitch, and that simply just means setting boundaries, right? Just literally just finding their no in their body and saying when enough is enough unapologetically. That, of course, the people who have massively benefited from that particular woman being a nice girl, right? Because she always paid the family vacations, right? Because she's the highest earner in the family. I hear this all the time, right? Like I talk to women who lost up to $100,000 because they just like gave it to men, um, didn't know how to set boundaries, right? Because they were afraid to be called a bitch. It's costing you big time, girlfriend. It's costing you big time. And you know that, right? It's costing your own self-respect. And so what we want to learn is actually how to lean into the word bitch. That when somebody calls you bitch, that you get to actually say, thanks so much for that compliment. I appreciate you seeing that in me because it really shows that you see that I can actually set boundaries. Number seven, like nice girls make excuses for other people, right? Like they're just a little too over-compassionate. Now the problem with that is, is because, of course, you may say, well, I'm just a compassionate person. I'm just a loving person. I'm just a giving person. Okay, I get that. However, are you balancing that to the same degree of also being compassionate with yourself? Now, let me answer this question for you. The answer is no, right? Because what happens is you're like hard on yourself, but you're actually like very compassionate towards other people. Now, that is, of course, very imbalanced and oftentimes leads to you attracting men into your life who are narcissists, who are abusive, who are alcoholics, and who are certainly emotionally unavailable, right? Because you get to continue to make the excuses that it's because he had this childhood um, because he hasn't done this much personal development, because he wasn't really exposed to it, right? Because he has gone through a tremendous, um, you know, traumatic divorce, because he has two kids, you know, on and on and on it goes, right? So you just make all those excuses. But interestingly enough, you don't make those same excuses for yourself. Like you hold your own self to very, very high standards. And so that's where it's incongruent. And when you're incongruent, since the world is your mirror, you attract men into your life who are also incongruent, meaning their words and actions are simply not matching. Number six is give the wrong men the benefit of the doubt. Now, this goes sort of in a similar category, right? Where you're like thinking, you know, I do feel a little bit hesitation. Right? I didn't really like what he said on the date when he talked about 
you know, whatever the relationship he has with maybe his mom or dad or, or something else that came up, right? That just, just something didn't sit right for you with you. But you're like, ah, it's fine. You know what I mean? He was probably just stressed, right? He was just coming from work. And so for some reason, you give the wrong man the benefit of the doubt. Now, but also what's interesting about that is, is that at the same time, I've seen this very same woman out of the sudden have massive trust issues when she actually has, quote unquote, the right man in front of her, right? So it's really interesting. You continue to perpetuate sort of this pattern of, of almost like feeling like good about somehow holding on to a hope that this particular man is going to turn around and it holds less value for you if a man is actually available, if a man is actually good to you, right? Like there you actually want to take, call, you know, like talk yourself out of it. And look, I'm the first one to admit that's what I did when I met my husband Brody. You know, I mean, he was consistent. He told me I'm the girl of his story. He was consistently asking me out. And all I was working on finding things that are wrong with him, right? Well, the meanwhile had given so many men who are definitely undeserving so much benefit of the doubt. So that's one thing that you truly want to shift. And one way how you're going to shift that is number five is focus on yourself rather than others, right? Because what what nice girls unfortunately do, they focus on others rather than self. You know, they're usually like the firstborn in the um in the kingdom, so to say, you know what I mean? So they become the caregiver, right? Or maybe they had a problem sibling, or maybe they had an alcoholic dad, or maybe it somehow it became sort of the enabling role, right? Or maybe the dad left and you became sort of like the, the husband, so to say, right? Uh, you know, the provider in the household, started working early, become independent, make sure you don't need anyone, right? And so you started to focus more on other people, right? And part of the reason why is from a nervous system standpoint is actually that you found out that in your own childhood, you didn't get your own needs met. Now, it could be different reasons. Like I said, emotionally unavailable parents, unattuned parents, narcissistic parents, right? As you know, or not know, I have a narcissistic mom, right? Goes into that category. And then what the child does, right? The child is saying, well, wait a minute. My parents are perfect. So I must be doing something wrong. So, um, well, if I just like sort of focus more on mom or dad, then maybe they're going to be happy. Maybe something is going to work out, right? And so then they become other focused. Now, the other way how you become other focus is because it's actually safe. It keeps you safe. So if you had a, uh, you know, like a, a bipolar or an alcoholic parent, an abusive parent, where you had to anticipate when do they go into anger so you can get out of the line of fire, right? That's literally a survival skill, you know? And so again, like knowing when some when the personality shifts is, of course, un incredibly hard to imagine for a child to have that responsibility. But that's how the other focusedness develops, right? And how actually focusing on self feels unsafe. However, that's what we want to shift because you want to actually understand that the way a man treats you actually depends on your ability to focus on yourself and the relationship you have with yourself. Now, that leads me to number four, which is nice girls believe in words more than actions. 
They just hang on to empty promises, right? The proverbial carrot in front of your nose. I mean, I heard I heard all the stories from like, you know, he's uh, he's moving out. I mean, he's filing for divorce. Like, he is looking already for an apartment. I mean, he, you know, he's working on himself. He is, and I, and I would say, let's let's look at it. Is he actually like, you know, driving around, looking at apartments, sending photos of the apartments, right? Is he actually making progress, getting out of the house, whatever it is, right? Like fighting divorce papers, something that shows that he's taking action, you know? So I don't really care, you know, and this is what I hear all the time too, right? Like nice girls are listening to sort of this, here's this, you know, giving the wrong man the benefit of the doubt again, right? Like, you know, I just need to figure myself out. I need to go to therapy first and I don't know what to do, right? They're sort of counting on your open heart, on your loving heart, on your compassionate heart. And I don't really care that you don't get your needs met. You're not enough because if there were, they would leave. And I would say, I want you to find someone who you're going to be happy with because it's not going to be me because I can't be that for you, Right. But most unavailable men will not do that. They will actually come back over and over again. And then we'll make that nice girl believe like, oh, okay, he's actually changed. That's why he's coming back because I'm finally worthy. Number three is the belief that she needs to earn love, right? This is like exactly what I just talked about. So this belief that like, okay, first I have to serve the man, right? Like I have to prove myself, you know, I have to convince the man, right? That now is the time and love is precious and there was never time like this and um, all of these things, right? I have to fight for a man. And the reason why is, of course, because those very same women had to fight for attention from their parents. And so again, if they don't get to need to fight for that, then it doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel like this is actually my love blueprint. It doesn't feel familiar. Um, it doesn't feel anything that you even value, right? But if you get to really attract a man where you get to earn your love, which of course, narcissists love that kind of blueprint, right? Because they're like, oh, you will never earn this love, right? And so unless you listen what I want want you to hear, like unless you're able to be guilt-tripped, you know, unless you're able to give yourself away, unless you're able to spend tons and tons of money, well, I just do a whole lot of nothing. Heard a lot of these stories too, right? Of like narcissists, like almost stop working or just like doing their thing um, or, you know, basically being like extremely abusive, because it gives you this feeling that you still need to earn their love, right? Because somehow you deserved to be treated in this abusive way. And that is, of course, because you potentially abuse yourself, right? You're beating yourself up. You know, um, Debbie Ford, who, of course, unfortunately died many, many years ago, but um, she did this one exercise in her workshop and she took a doll. And this was actually like really brutal, right? And she had a baseball bat. And she hammered the baseball bat onto the doll. And of course, everybody was just exasperated. Like, what is happening? What is going on? And she's like, this is how we treat ourselves every day. You know, this is how we're beating ourselves up. And it was just like very, very eye-opening, right? And so again, like really breaking through this idea that you need to earn love, that you have to be deserving. You don't have to be deserving. You are love. 
There's nothing that you have to do. And there's nothing you can do to earn love. Number two is talking about other people, even if positively. Because again, it feeds back into sort of that nervous system wiring of focusing on other people. And unfortunately, you're training the man, right? Like, oh, I should not focus on her. She's always talking about other people. So everybody else is more important, which of course includes myself, right? So like you treat your man like, you know, somehow I'm not that important or don't pay that much attention to me or, you know what I mean? I'm not really worthy to be focused on or even worse, right? Like, you know, nice girls also like to talk up other people, even like at work and they get the promotion, right? Where the nice girl sort of steps out of the spotlight, right? Because it doesn't feel safe for her to be seen. So what do you want to do instead? You want to catch yourself every time when you think about someone, you know, even if it's in a positive way, it doesn't matter. Like really training to focus more on thinking about yourself, like your goals, your your vision that you have for your life, right? Like images, you know, music that you like to listen to, like whatever that is, the plans that you have for next week. Like just really writing down a list of like, what can I do to focus on myself so that other people talk about you in a positive way. And finally, what I've seen a lot, and that comes out sideways, is number one is suppressing anger, right? So the nice girl just really gets to this extreme where she becomes passive aggressive. Now, she doesn't want to be passive aggressive, but there's nothing else left. Because if she can't set boundaries, if she can't express her no, if she can't express her anger, because she's, of course, afraid that she's going to rock the boat, that the man is going to leave, that the man is going to think she's too much, she's too complicated, she's too demanding, she's too angry, she should just be a nice lady, right? Then it's going to come out sideways. And that, of course, is like when you don't want to be called the bitch, when uh, you start to become sort of like ironic, when you start to become a little... You know, like you start to maybe gossip about other people. You start to become a little, yeah, a little bit rough on the edges in other ways, right? And so it's not going to work. You know, it's not going to work. And on top of that, because you suppress your anger, you oftentimes attract somebody who has more anger inside of himself as a partner, who's oftentimes also abusive, right? Because what you attract is oftentimes also what you suppress. So to the degree that you suppress, the more it's actually exasperated in the other person, right? And so, you know, I had one client that I worked with, to give you an example, and she had this incredibly, just absolutely rageful neighbor, right? Just absolutely, like, I mean, she couldn't sleep at night, right? So I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting, right? So why do you think you would, why would do you think you would create this kind of emotional environment, Right. And so it turned out that she's incredible, incredible rage, like that she had suppressed, you know, to sexual abuse early, early on in childhood and things like that. And um, we just said, you know, she's like, well, I can't, you know, I'm like, why the have you never expressed this? Right. And she's like, well, everybody would be like absolutely terrified if they felt my rage. And I said, well, try me. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> and so she got to actually extremely step into her rage, get embodied, meet somebody within 10 weeks, 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 days of doing this work, right? Have He flew her out to another state and proposed to her and all the things, right? So everything can happen super, super fast. 
when you actually finally acknowledge that anger. And that other piece also is for you to, of course, then allow yourself to hold other people accountable. That comes with expressing your anger, right? Now you get to set your boundaries and you hold other people accountable, right? Everybody at the end of the day has a choice. So no matter where they come from, they had a choice to go to do, take a self-development workshop, to read a book, lots of books that are free, right? So I don't care what the excuse is. There's always people that come in our path, opportunities, books, seminars, whatever it is, invitations that can change the trajectory of our life. So next time when you give a man like sort of this excuse, right? And you're like, you know what? Like, you know, um, Think again, think again, like what you did and how resourceful you became and why you're not expecting the man to do the same. This is your friendly invitation from me. And if you need some more support with that, then get our free training to discover the five simple shifts to get the relationship you want by going to getlovetraining.com or simply click the link now in the description or comments below. Lots of love to you, ladies, and I will certainly talk to you in the next video. Take care. Bye-bye.